You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Okay, so today we're going to talk about spiritual tune-ups. You know, it's interesting when you start, I don't know who just said it when we were testifying, but when you start working on a specific subject, the enemy starts working on you. If you're working on breakthrough in a certain area, then the enemy starts working against you in that area. And we've been working on wholeness and having breakthrough in wholeness. And so what do we see? The enemy working against us in that. And I was even thinking about the, um, the COVID numbers going up. And uh, when I was talking to Matt earlier, he was, you know, we were talking about the difference that a lot of things mimic COVID, but it's really a virus. So there's a virus going around that's really bad. Of course, you can talk to Gina about that. She's a nurse and works in that system overseeing that. So um, I'm inviting you to use her services. <laughs> I'll tell her about it later. <laughs> but, you know, when we think about it, and I want to pray, we're just going to take one minute to pray because our kids are going back to school. And of course, there's a little bit of a panic and a stress about what do we do now that the COVID variant is here and all this stuff. And we just want to pray for protection over our children, over the teachers, the administrators, the school bus drivers, every person that has a, a hand uh, to the plow for our children. We just want to pay protection over them. Even homeschool parents, you know, they're, they're in the process of all of this too. And and we, w we just want to keep fear down yeah. and, and, and have the filter for truth to really come forward. So let's just pray for them. So, Father, we are praying for our children. We're praying for every teacher, administrator, principal, vice principals, counselors, school bus drivers, uh, the admins that work on the buildings and keep them safe. God, we're praying for a bubble of protection over them. And, God, we're just uh, commanding that spirit of fear that wants to run rampant right now in our nation, in our schools. We're just commanding it to stop be bound and go straight to Jesus. Lord, we're releasing life. We're releasing hope. We're, we're just uh, commanding that COVID virus to die and not spread and, and not perpetrate against your people, Lord, against the people of the world. So God, we just thank you that your word says that uh, you uh, stop all diseases. You stop the spread of those things. And we're agreeing with your word to stop the spread of these diseases. And everyone right now that is struggling with COVID, Lord, we just speak life into their lungs, into their immune system, into their blood. Lord, we're just speaking your resurrected life over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ooh, God, this is a fight. Fight. This one's a fight. This one's definitely a fight. So we're going to talk about spiritual tune-ups. And we're going to start with our favorite scripture that we've read, I think, every week since we started this fast. And it's 3 John 1, 2. Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way 
and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul prospers. And we're going to look at our soul today because our soul needs to prosper. And uh, our soul contains our mind, it contains our emotions, and it contains our will. And those are powerful things, those three things put together. Um, I don't know how many of you read the book uh, by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and uh, I just forgot the name of it. Uh, switch on your brain. That's right. We did a whole study on it and it talked about the power of your mind and what your mind thinks actually can cause disease within your body. And if you read it, she's a, a, a neuroscientist and she did a whole study on, and she's been doing it for years, of course, on how when we speak negatively, the neurons within our body are released as dead looking trees and it attaches to the other parts of our organs, of our blood and all of that. So when we speak negatively, it actually causes sickness inside of us. It can cause diseases to rise up in us. When we speak positively, it's actually the opposite. The neurons that are released are like giant living trees that go and attach to your body. So, you know, part of this whole struggle is uh, the struggle of our minds, the struggle of our emotions, the struggle of our will. And that's what we're going to talk about today is bringing that into a prosperous, healthy way. And, um, you know, I always call it a spiritual tune-up. I've been having trouble with my right front tire and it kept on release, you know, losing air. And I had it, Chuck took it and had it checked once and they're like, no, it's fine. And then it lost air again. So he took it to the, uh, to our guy. We went to our guy this time and the guy was like, well, you can't see, but on the inside, the tire is bald. So when you're looking at the tire from the outside, it looks fine, but it's rubbed itself bald on the inside. So it's not operating properly. And when we think of it kind of in an in a automobile heart way, you know, we can't see sometimes what's wrong that's causing us to lose our momentum as we move forward with God. That revelation comes through, um, through the Holy Spirit, of course, and sometimes getting someone to help us to go through a, through a spiritual tune-up to see if, is there anything off balance in me? Is there anything that I'm believing that's not true? Is there anything, unforgiveness, there's a whole list of things that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, that is keeping me from my soul prospering? Because God wants us to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. And we know when one part isn't working, it affects all the other parts. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, the spiritual tune-up really is kind of doing a, uh, you know, in your cars, they do the 12-point check. It's doing that 12-point check to see, is there anything out of alignment? And if there is, then Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with it? Because the Holy Spirit definitely takes care of it for us. So, um, no, I'm going to skip down and start with Judges. Uh, we're going to go to Judges 6. There were a couple before that, but I'm not going to read those right now. Judges 6. And we're going to talk about this. It's important for us to understand that God has ways to get us healed. 
And sometimes those ways are immediate. Um, and then sometimes those ways that we go through are a process. I know I've been through inner healing a few thousand times uh, with other people. You know, I got really passionate about inner healing back in the 90s. And um, I actually was passionate about physical healing. And I went to a Christian healing ministries for their schooling, did all their training. But when I got there, that's when I was exposed to real inner healing. And uh, they trained us on the different tools that God gives us throughout the word to help us identify what's not whole. And I remember the first, the, the 101 class I went to and, and did the training up there. The first person that we had a practicum, you know, because when you go, you practice on each other, uh, was bipolar. And I was like, Awesome. Couldn't I have someone that, you know, just broke up with her boyfriend or someone? <laughs> but, you know, they had, they had people that have been doing it for years and years and years and helping us guide through it and all this kind of stuff. And, but it was interesting to go through this process over these last almost 30 years of learning to keep our souls in check. And sometimes we get in those spiritual places where it gets out of check that through something that just happened a week ago or a month ago. But sometimes those things happened at childhood and we don't even know that they're there, but they're there. And as we go through these spiritual checkups, God shows us, you know, exactly where it is. So we'll talk about that as we go. But that's just just my little experiment with uh, when I first started. It's a very powerful process to get a soul healed. And it is an ongoing process, just like you maintain your car. We, we have to maintain our soul. We have to maintain our bodies, right? Okay, so verse uh, 11 in Judges 6, we're going to talk about Gideon. And we're setting the stage that uh, the Israelites are in trouble because they sinned against God. And when they sinned against God, it opened the door for the enemy to attack them. We understand that when we sin, the enemy has a right to come in because we've moved into his territory with our sin. So he has that right to attack us. And when we repent from our sin, it shuts the door to the enemy's right to attack us. We understand, and let me just say this, the enemy can attack us because he has an assignment against us. He can attack us because we've opened the door and gave him permission. So there's different reasons the enemy attacks us. And the, through the tune-up is what we're going to really talk about this time. Um, so anyhow, let's just, let's just read. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Tenebeth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Ab Abarite, while his son Gideon threshed the wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. That's a big word. But basically, the angel of the Lord has shown up while uh, Gideon's hiding in the wrong place. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So here's, the, here's an angelic encounter with the angel of the Lord declaring to Gideon who he is. You are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, 
He didn't say, I'm so glad that you've identified who I am. He said, God, you've dropped the ball. He says, if, if, the, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? Gideon hasn't related the sin of Israel to the opening of the door for the Midianites to attack them. And if you go back and read the verses 1 through 11, it talks about how they attacked them. Every time they, they planted a crop, the Midianites came in and took it all. Everything that they did, it says the Midianites devoured it. And what does it say about the enemy? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy us. So he says, uh, and where, what about, now, where are all his miracles, which our father told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Israelites were in the hands of the Midianites because they sinned and turned away from God. You know, there are, there are times when we're in a situation that we blame God for the situation we're in. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the Midianites are in the situation, I mean, the Israelites are in the situation they're in because they turn from God, because they begin to sin against God, because God told them that this is what they needed to do, and they said no to God. So it opened themselves up to the full force of the enemy coming against them. Okay. Verse 16. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go. Now the Lord didn't answer him with all of his uh, thoughts, processes of what was happening. No, he says, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So first the Lord encounters Gideon and tells him, his purpose and his identity. You're a mighty man. Now I'm going to send you to savor Israel. Verse 15. So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. So his idea of himself was very limiting. All he knew is that his clan was the least and he was the least. So that made him the least of the least, which means he could not do anything because of who his family was. And God had just told him that he was going to save Israel. So what that tells us is that in Gideon's mind, his belief of who he was was greater than God's word over his life. Have you ever had God give you assignment that's way beyond you to say, this is what you're going to do, that this is the direction you're going to go, and your response to him was, there's no way I can do that? Because of this, I'm not educated enough, I'm not this enough, whatever it is. You know, um, becoming a pastor was a big deal because women, as I was brought up, are not pastors. 
And even though I'd gone through the process, gone to school, done all this stuff, understood contextually the word, all that kind of stuff, in my soul, in my mind, what I had been taught was that what you're about to do is to go against God. So though God had called me to do this, there was something in my heart that said, God, don't you know your own word? Don't you understand what man says about how that's interpreted? I mean, there was a process I had to go through. I had, I had that process in the business world, but the business world didn't carry the word of God as its measuring stick. So that was just a whole different thing. But to come into the church world, it was very, very different. And I really had to reconcile what I understood. I had to be mentored, taught, and I had to be delivered from what wasn't true. And, it, you know, it's just a process. Sometimes we learn things about God, about the Word of God, that doesn't actually align with the interpretation that God had intended. So sometimes we have to get healed from what we've learned. I know, and I'm going to tell you something else. This is funny. When I was little, I thought the Holy Ghost, and this will tell you a little about how old I am. So I used to watch Casper the Friendly Ghost. So I thought the Holy Ghost was like Casper. He went around doing good. He tried to get his mean ghost brothers to get in line and be nice. And when they did something bad, he tried to help that, you know, because I had no frame of reference. You know, I'm nine, 10 years old, 11 years old. That was all I had. I had a cultural understanding of what a ghost was that I laid across the scriptural word of the ghost, the Holy Ghost. Of course, I had to relearn that a little bit, too. Has anybody else had to relearn scripture a little bit? <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you're taught things. Well, when I was brought up Baptist, we had to get saved every week. When they sang, just as I am, you better be down there. Nobody's leaving until somebody's down here, right? right. I mean, you know, there were, there were just things. Every time I hear that song, I start shaking <laughs> because, you know, it's what it is. It's a trigger of trauma within me. I mean, these are the things that sounds funny. But really, when you think about it, there are things within all of us that actually prevent us from like Gideon, from walking in what we're called to do. They prevent us from receiving the calling that God has on us like he did with Gideon. You're called as a mighty man to save Israel. He goes, oh, no, God, you must be at the wrong address. I am the least of the least of the least, and my clan is the least. So we are not people who can do stuff like that. But that is a, an emotional connection to a lie that was perpetrated on him because that's the way the cultural system worked in order to prevent him from seeing and stepping into what God was speaking over him. 
And those are the things that have to be cleansed out of us. And sometimes it's as easy as just repenting from the lie that you're believing and getting the truth of what that looks like. But we all carry these little, you know, hidden spider webs in us that are preventing us from moving in a fullness of heart that God has promised us. Okay? God is really good to reveal all this to us. So he's explaining to God how uh, God must have this wrong. In verse 16, it says, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, God has promised he's always with us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us. The Holy Spirit will teach us. He will guide us. Everything we need, we already have. I mean, if we read the word just over us, even when the songs, it was just a declaration. Uh, If we read the word over us, it shakes loose what's the lie that's been put put in us. Because when we read the word, when Let's just say we're going to read um, Jeremiah 31. Okay, the the Lord says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with love and kindness. Now, intellectually, we can read that word and say, okay. But emotionally, in our soul, can we read that word and, and in our soul say, I believe that word. I see a couple of heads shaking. No, if there's a no in there or if there's an uncertainty or even where you have to kind of try to process what does that actually mean that he loves me with an everlasting love, that he's drawn me with love and kindness, then that means there's something that has been hidden within your heart that is pushing the truth of God's word over you out. It's not allowing the fullness of what he wants for you inside of you. And he wants us to have that fullness of heart. He wants us to have the fullness of heart. So verse 17, Gideon says to the Lord, if I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. So Gideon is a little bit uncertain about what is actually going on. You know, what is happening here, God? Do not depart from here until I, I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. You know, part of this process of growing in our relationship with Jesus is that connecting with him on a real level. Gideon's like, Lord, I need to have a sign. I need to understand that what you're saying to me is is what is true. I, I need for you to show up for me. You know, our journey in wholeness with God is a two-way communicative relationship with him. And he's not afraid of us asking for him to give us confirmation, to give us greater signs, to give us the ability to say, yes, I understand, God, what you've called me here, this is that, and it's confirmed over and over to me. 
Even when I became a pastor, when I, before I got ordained, I had confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. Uh, and it helped to move me forward in the process. Verse uh, 19, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread, uh, put an ephah of flour, the meat put he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the tenebrith tree and presented it. The angel of the Lord said, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock, who is our rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the angel of the, then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So, you know, it was a process for Gideon to encounter the Lord, to receive the word of the Lord, to put out that offering unto the Lord. And the Lord confirmed everything to Gideon. Sometimes we go through a process of, of this wholeness of being able to perceive it said, and then Gideon perceived Sometimes the Lord is talking to us all along. He may not show up in that manifested presence like he did to Gideon, but sometimes he's talking to us all along and we don't actually perceive that that's him. Because there's things in our way that are keeping us from receiving and connecting to who God is and what he's saying to us. So I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read all this, but Gideon goes on and actually destroys the altar of Baal for, for God. He goes into his little town, he does it at night, and he takes down all the altars. And then, of course, the town rises up against him because that's part of their sin. They were worshiping God, they were worshiping Baal. Who else can we worship? Just bring them all out. We'll just worship whoever's in the path. You know, that's one of the things when you go to Asia. It, uh, it's easy to get them saved because they praise multiple gods. So what's another one to add to the pot? So Gideon goes, gets all the, the uh, uh, altars torn down, and he goes on to go through this fleece process with God. He's still working out the journey with God. And in, you know, in the big picture for Gideon, and we all know the story, he, he takes 300 men and defeats over 120,000 Midianites. Those are terrible odds. In horse racing, we would never bet on that. But just think about that. You know, Gideon goes through this journey of growing into his identity. It's little by little. It's a slow process. It's not like the Lord says, you're a mighty man of God. Okay, tomorrow you're going to defeat them all. No, first he had to take down the altars of Baal. Then he had to have this other little growth process with the God. Then he had to get the men together. Then he had to get rid of all the men except 300. Then he had to go scout out the enemy that were uh, over 120,000 versus his little 300 men. 
And what does God do? He gives him a sign that he will defeat them from the dream of one of the men that was part of the enemy's troop. So he goes through this whole process of learning his identity and growing in who God's called him to do, to be not the least of the least, but the mightiest of them all. We are not the least of the least. We're the mightiest of them all. And, you know, many of us have gone through different, you know, family things that have caused us, you know, if you're the youngest, then you're, you're always the youngest and everybody's bossier than you are, Right. No. <laughs> if you're the oldest, you have all the responsibility in the family. You have to take care of everything. So anyhow, there's just a whole process sometimes we have to go through. But I want to talk specifically about, just for a few minutes, about some of the things we have to look at. One of the big things is, is healing our image of God. And Gideon had to go through that process. He had to understand that God is God and God did not forsake them. They forsook God and they were attacked by the enemy because their sin and their worship of other gods opened the door, invited the enemy in to attack them. So sometimes we need our image of God healed. Whether it's uh, we, we think he's an angry God, whether we think he's a passive God. A lot of times, though, the way we view God is viewed through our relationship with our parents. Um, not always, but that, that does have a, we've worked with a lot of people that does have a lot to do with it. Sometimes if their parents were very passive, they think God is very passive. If their parents were detached one or the other, then they feel like God's detached. You know, so sometimes we have to heal our actual image of who God is. And it's not because we can't read the word and agree with the word. It's because there's a hidden lie within us that keeps us from fully engaging with who God is and who he says he is, right? Sometimes we have limiting beliefs like Gideon did. He believed he was the least of the least. And so he lived like the least of the least. He lived like that he was the very last person on the wrong, the most unimportant person there could be in all of Israel. And sometimes we look at ourselves, you know, have you ever had someone come up and pay you a great compliment on, you know, they can just see how amazing you are and the things that you do. And you look at them and you're like, are you talking to me? Are you talking about me? Because a lot of times we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And he will send people to try to call out, as we call, call out the gold in us so that we can understand where God has taken us. So many times we have a limiting belief on who we are and what we're able to do. And those things need to be healed. We don't want to be limited by our thoughts or by our emotions or even by our will. Has anyone ever told God, uh, yeah, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, you can just find someone else. And what does he do? He just rags you till you say yes. He does not let go until you say yes. He just keeps coming after you. He'll start sending prophetic words your way. Every scripture you'll read will, will almost say the same thing God's telling you to do, even though that's not what it says, because he's going to get you until he gets you. 
And through that process, he'll bring healing in it. So limiting beliefs. We need healing from disappointment. You know, the word says hope deferred makes the heart sick. When our heart is sick, it's hard for us to be motivated to go forward. So sometimes we need healing from disappointment. Um, And sometimes disappointment, sickness, loss, we develop a story, a narrative around it to explain something that we really don't have the answer to. Um, I had someone to explain to me how um, they lost something that God took it so he could give them something else. And when they did the whole explanation of it, what you realized was what they were explaining to you did not align with the word, but they, their heart needed an explanation. So they came up with one that could make as much sense as possible. So they couldn't really go on until they could get that narrative broken down and taken out of their heart so they could receive the truth of what God had for them. So sometimes we just build a narrative because we don't understand. Um, So sometimes it's disappointment. Uh, We need healing from our generational lines that have come down the way, whether it's healing. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever come from a a line of alcoholism. I have. That was part of the the cleansing breaking we did through our family. There's five of us kids. um, And we had to break that because it it began to uh, circle around a couple of our family members. And as a family, we had to break that off so it wouldn't be passed on to generation and generation. So sometimes there's healing from generational things, even sickness and disease that's passed on. You ever heard someone say, oh, well, my grandfather and his grandfather and the grandfather before him died of a heart attack early? Well, we can break that. You know, that's part of the cleansing power that God has given us. Generational lines, generational curses, breaking from trauma. Trauma as through your childhood, even trauma from a car wreck. You know, there are things that can cause trauma inside of our hearts that hold us hostage from moving forward. And we have to get healing from that trauma. You know, in this healing process, there are times you can do it just between you and God. But most of the time I've found that you might need help from someone else to do that. So as we're talking about this, if you feel like I'm talking to you, uh, then, you know, send me a text and I'll help you figure out the best way to get free from whatever it's, uh, whatever it's, whatever it's got a hold on you. Word curses. Have you ever cursed yourself? Has someone ever cursed you? You'll never be nothing. You'll, you know, you could never do that. Word curses, they have to be broken off. They can traumatize our our soul. Lies that have been sown into us, lies that we've believed and half-truths like I was talking about. Um, We had someone that went to our church for a long time and they moved away. And, uh, but when he was a young man, he was still in his teens, but he was considered an adult. He had a felony and it was, uh, I don't know if there's a minor felony, but I guess it was a minor felony, but at that time he got a felony. He thought he could never have anything but a job that uh, was minimum wage. And that's what he always worked. He had a family and he just felt like that's all he could do. 
And every time he applied for something, you know, they'd see that felony come up. And even though it was 20 years later, it still prevented him. Well, he began going through the healing process, began working on his image, on the image of God, on his identity and what God called him to do. And it ended up one of his vendors recruited him to come work for them. And he said, I have a felony. And they're like, that's okay. You have such, they saw the gifting and the excellence on him that they were willing to take a risk to see him get into a position that was better than where he was. And he ended up making, he makes a great deal of money. He raised up their uh, cell center was like the very last. They raised it up and I don't know what position they're in now, but in the very beginning, the first two years, it was, uh, it moved up to like number three or four. And all of a sudden he became the star of his region leaving behind the lies that he could never do anything. He could only get minimum wage. You know, he would, he could never make enough money to take care of his family. Cause that was, you know, his wife worked full time too, because she was the major breadwinner because he couldn't get any further, but everything that happened technically, yes, there was a felony, but the blood of Jesus covers every felony. And the favor of God, which is promised to us, moved him into a position where he became a very uh, successful businessman. Amen. Yes. I mean, that's exciting. Uh, and all because he realized he was held back by his soul, not by his ability, but by his soul. And as he got a soul heal, the destiny that God had for him came into fruition, right? We had someone else who uh, um, they thought that their in-law had cursed them from being successful in their business. And that's why they came. I know exactly what's wrong. This is what's wrong. Just fix it for me. And we're like, Karen was with me, we're like, Okay, well, maybe we're going to ask Jesus what's wrong just to make sure we got the diagnosis right. You know, sometimes we think we know what's wrong and we don't. But if we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what's going on here? He does. It's amazing, right? Well, well, he, they asked the Holy Spirit what's going on. And he's like, you know, you could hear the mutter under his voice. I already know. I already know. I said, well, just humor us for five minutes. But really what happened was there was something that happened uh, when he was, I think, in middle school or something that was spoken over him just in passing that actually set the lie inside of him that he could not be successful. Had nothing to do with his in-laws. And once he realized that, in seconds, there was freedom. I mean, that is amazing, isn't it? And really, most of the time, it does just take minutes going through this process. It's not days and weeks and years and all that. It's minutes because there's something about being in, in, in that safe bubble with God and with someone, two other people that are helping you through this process. And, and the Holy Spirit just reveals in this instantaneous way. Which, and then once he reveals, then he tells you what to do. So the healing of the soul doesn't have to be 
a long, elaborate process, it can be as quickly as a moment. And there are times where it takes a little longer. I know we worked with someone who was bipolar and they got healed and it took a couple of years because part of the process was they're working with their doctor and everything. They're working with us. I think they had 47 medications. Uh, so it was a process. But what they also had was a lot of trauma in their soul. But through the process... They got healing through the process. They got freedom and through the process, they slowly were able to drop medication after medication after medication till they were down to about five. So, I mean, that is amazing, isn't it? That is amazing. So, like I said, sometimes it can be as simple as a repentance, but sometimes it needs a little help with other people uh, through the process, right? So, um, so I want you to say, I'm so excited to know this. I'm so excited to know this. Because God's going to free me. God's going to free me. From anything that's holding me. From anything that's holding me. And I'm going to cooperate. And I'm going to cooperate. That's the biggest issue is cooperation. You know, most of the time we don't even recognize that we have something that needs to be dealt with. That's really probably one of the biggest challenges. We don't recognize it. And so when we come in for that spiritual tune-up, it's really just asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there something? What is it? And what do you want me to do with it? Right? So I'm going to close. I want us to, I'm going to pray this over you. Uh, this was written by Brian Simmons. It was just a prophetic word that he felt that the Lord was releasing. And then we're going to ask the Lord a question. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Just close your eyes and I'm going to read this word over you. And then I'm going to ask you to ask a question. So I hear him whisper. I am the God who can be trusted. I'm working in your life in ways you have yet to perceive. I'm removing all that blocks my free flowing spirit from pouring out of your life. You will walk in me with power. I will baptize your life in my mighty spirit until everything has changed within you. There will be no limit to the flow of my conquering life in you. And you will know a greater anointing to be who I have destined you to be. Anything that takes your eyes off of me must be discarded. Those places in your soul where you have held unforgiveness will be uprooted and replaced with my compassionate love. The tug of the world on your soul will be replaced with the drawing influence of my love to take you into a higher place. Pleasing others will be replaced with a fiery passion to do my will, regardless of the cost. And the temptation to do something in your own strength will be replaced with the awareness that it is only by my spirit that your life will abound and be fulfilled. As you set your heart on me and give your thoughts to me and surrender your cares to me, there will be a new standard of glory operating in your life. Many will see my workings in your life and know that you have been transformed as a carrier of my presence. 
Bring me your tender heart, willing to be changed in a moment, as you gaze in my twinkling eyes of love for you, and I will be known as the God who transforms, the God who can be trusted. So while you're just in this place, I want you to ask the Lord, do I need a spiritual tune-up? And take the first answer you hear. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.